Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Eric Banholtz with me. Eric is the founder of Beard Brand. Beard Brand is much more than a company that sells beard oil and beard care products. Beard Brand is a movement for the bearded lifestyle. Established in 2012 with a mission to help men take back what is natural to them, their beards. In just a couple of years, Eric went from zero revenue to $120,000 per month revenue. I'm very excited to have Eric on Success Harbor today to share how he is building a global brand. Welcome. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for having me, George. Excited to be here. Thank you for being here, Eric. Really appreciate it. I have a lot of questions about Beard Brand, but before we go there, I'd like to know what you were doing prior to starting this business. Well, uh, immediately prior to this, I had a uh, freelance graphic design business that I was trying to get off the ground. And my last job before that was as a financial advisor at a large bank. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's been quite a shift for me. I, the freelance graphic design role was uh, only a few months, I would say, probably about a, a year, year and a half. Uh, How did that business go? Well, I'm no longer doing it. Uh, so it was, uh, another one of my, uh, failed businesses that, that I've, uh, why, why did it fail? Um, you know, I, I think a lot of, uh, uh, answers came to me when, uh, beard brands started to grow and, uh, that previous business is called sovereignty and, and I love like certain aspects of the business, but I wasn't passionate, uh, about it entirely. And the passion that I have for Beard Brand like really keeps me motivated to keep going on a daily basis and, and get through those tough times and passionately sell what we're trying to do as well. Um, and when you're a, a one man operation, when you're a freelance graphic artist, um, those those tough, tough days or those you know weeks or months where you're not getting any work can be very challenging uh, in the startup phase. So. Any other businesses? There was a graphic uh, design business. You mentioned you were doing financial. Uh, you were a financial advisor. How did you get into financial advising or, or for that or that field? Well, uh, you know, I, I'm a little bit of a, a jack of all trades, master of none, or a master of few, as they like to say. And uh, I've, I've bounced around a little bit. I've, I've uh, been in the work world for about 10 years since I graduated college, and. I've done a variety of sales jobs and uh, consider myself a salesman. Uh, naturally, that's that's probably my core uh, skill. And financial advising is a combination of sales and investment and uh, stocks and, and, and bonds and things like that. So I'm passionate. It's a, it's a super competitive area, just like graphic design is. Yeah, it's... Um, you know, for me, it's uh, the, the competition isn't really uh, something that that overwhelms me or concerns me. It's just more of like the, the institution of the industry and, and all the regulations that go along with it. And, and, you know, you're not really free to, you know, work outside of the norm there, you know. So you've got to, you know, just be this cog that that you know, pushes the ideas of, of the corporation and, and kind of their thought process and their investment strategy. And and um, I'm sure there's companies and organizations out there that I would have been a much better fit for. 
Um, but with my passions and my philosophies, uh, the, the company I was working for wasn't a good fit for me. Um, although they're a good company and, and, uh, they've got some great people working there. Wow. That's great. So, so you worked for about, you know, 10 years and even started a business before you started uh, beard brand. Uh, and that's, I, I think it's really important for people to hear because I think some people start a business and, you know, let's say they read, uh, some success story and if it fails or if it doesn't take off right away, they get discouraged and, you know, go back to get a job or just get bitter with the whole thing. Have you ever had any of those thoughts or, or were you thinking that, you know, there's got to be more than, than, than what I'm doing now? Well, George, I'm, I'm the master of failed businesses. I think I've got about four or five projects that never got off the ground or, um, you know, never took off. So, um, you know, I can tell you all about like dealing with, uh, the, the challenges of, of getting the business from zero to so that really that first sale is, is kind of where the first momentum starts. And that's where uh, a lot of the business, you know, never got off the ground for me. I did a, uh, I had an e-commerce business previously that we sold vinyl wall graphics and, and I had like one or two sales, but never had the, the confidence to push it forward. I had, uh, I was an executive recruiter, uh, trying to, uh, do placements for companies and, and I was never able to, uh, I got some searches, but I never got any placements. Um, I had this wine app idea that, uh, we built out to beta and, and never, uh, got past that stage. And then, uh, I've got some like organizations, uh, that I started like some nonprofits that, uh, are still going, they're still moving, but they're never like a, a business model. So it's always more of a, a voluntary, uh, volunteer type of, uh, organization. Uh, and I've passed those on to, to other people as well. So I, I kind of have the tri uh, typical entrepreneur disease where you get a lot of ideas and in one moment you're doing this and then one moment you're on to the next thing. And then, you know, it's hard to stay focused and you're working on three or four projects at once. Uh, so I know what all that is like for all those entrepreneurs out there who, who deal with the same struggles and, and challenges of, of maintaining focus. Well, thanks for sharing that. I, I really appreciate it because I think there's not enough talk of that a lot of times. And I think if people are really interested about becoming an entrepreneur or want to become, they need to hear it. And they need to hear it from someone like you who is succeeding, but had all this other things happening in the past, yet, you know, you didn't give up. You, you kept on and you tried different things and, you know, a lot of them failed, but and, you know, mean, meanwhile, you learned, you learned a lot and, and then you stumbled upon something that, that is very different. So, and that, that's Beard Brand. And, and in 2012, from, from what I read, you started blogging. It wasn't really a business at that point. Is that, is that correct? Right. We always had this vision of what we wanted the company to become. But uh, what I realized through my previous failures with business was that all those previous businesses of mine were, uh, I was the solo entrepreneur. I had no business partners. So what I needed to succeed in business for me personally was a team. And I needed other people who could complement my skills and, and help keep me motivated when I was down or, or vice versa and, and help me think through the thoughts of the business and, and uh, discuss those things. And uh, I didn't have that uh, at the beginning of Beard Brain. So what do you what do you get? What are some of the more common things 
that you get from the team that you haven't had in your previous uh, uh, entrepreneurial uh, ventures? For me personally, uh, I'm a very like uh, verbal guy, so I like to kind of talk out my thoughts. And I just like kind of, I'll have verbal diarrhea. So I'll just start talking about stuff and some of the stuff is good and some of it's not good, but I just like to talk and I like someone to hear and listen and kind of vet those ideas. And, and that having a person that I can trust and, and who's philosophically in line with me and uh, can help, you know, kind of guide me in the right direction, make sure that I'm, I'm doing the right things. And, and then like uh, being an entrepreneur is like really hard work. It's uh Maybe not like uh, task-wise hard, but like emotionally uh, and psychologically very challenging. So you're going to have these. Things. What are the What are the hardest things for you being an entrepreneur? Um, what are some of those challenges? Well, when we first started up in, in March of 2013, uh, in our uh, second full month, we had like 14 days where we had two orders. Um, so, I mean, when you you log in and you you're passionate about something and you're you're spreading the word and you're, you're trying to get out there and, and to go in like two weeks and to only get two orders um, is very, you know, at, at times you're like, oh, my God, why am I doing this? What's the point of it? Um, you got to have a team around you who's supportive and who's like, hey, you know, that's just part of business. That's part of that flow. Some days you're going to have good days and some days you're not going to have good days. But. Uh, people are buying it and there's opportunity and uh, we got to keep on uh, just doing our thing. So how did you go from blogging about about beards and, and living with a, a beard and, and, and caring for a beard and, and the whole bearded lifestyle to, to starting a business? Because it wasn't immediate, right? No, it was uh, – uh, we started blogging after I went to the beard competition in Portland, Oregon. And really, like, notice that there's there's more to beardsmen than the typical stereotypes of, of lumberjacks and bikers, um, that there's a more uh, stylish and creative and independent and career-driven type of beardsmen out there and, and wanted to really unite that community. So we, we started kind of talking about the bearded lifestyle in February of 2012, uh, had a Tumblr uh, blog where we would curate uh, photography and images that represented the lifestyle. And then on YouTube, I would share uh, grooming tips and and uh, my experiences growing my, my facial hair out. Um, and we kind of kept on doing that passively. Uh, uh, at this time, I was I was working full time with my design business and, and beard brain on the side. And then... Were you were you looking at stats at that point? Were you looking at, well, who is looking at my blog? How many people are reading it? Are they interacting with it? Uh, w was that important to you at that point? No, at this point, it was uh, very passive, very laid back, not actively promoted, not actively grown. It was just kind of something I really liked the content, like between February and uh, December of 2012, like, you know, I maybe had a total of like, eight or nine, 10 posts. So it's not like I grew a following. It's not like I had like this, this giant inventory of people who are ready to buy, uh, like some other people did. What happened in, uh, November, or December was I was contacted by the New York times who's going to do an article and quote me in it. So I was also, uh, building a rapport with other entrepreneurs 
in town, and we decided to work together and form a company, Beard Brand, uh, and sell products. So what I didn't have before was that team, and through a startup weekend event, I uh, was able to, to work with people that I trust and uh, really aligned with philosophically. And uh, then we just decided to throw a couple products up on the store and take advantage of uh, the opportunity in the New York Times uh, and then just grew it from there. But that article in the New York Times, it wasn't like uh, we... It wasn't a huge impact, right, from what I read in my research that it, you, you get a little bit of a bump, but it wasn't a, a windfall, right? Yeah, I mean, it was huge for us in the sense that we had no sales and we were able to get some sales kind of off the bat. But it resulted probably in like $1,000 worth of sales, which is... Uh, pretty awesome when when you go from zero to a thousand. But you know, in the grand scheme of things, like a thousand dollars isn't going to you know put food on my table for the year. Um, it's not going to uh, you know pay for. Yeah, it's, it's not going to make a business. But it was a good sign for you, right? right? Because at least it says you know, hey, we're 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 making some money here, and it's it's a positive sign, nevertheless. Yeah. So we took that. Uh, uh, every little bit of momentum we took and, and we just put it back in the business. And because I was essentially working two jobs, I, I, did, I wasn't in, I wasn't required to pull any money out of beard brands. So any kind of profit we had, we just put back into the business, kept on buying more inventory, buying advertisement, buying uh, upgrades to our website, just anything we could do to improve the website. We just did gradually. Um, and then we just, uh, you know, we, we continue to, to share what we're trying to do and what we're building and, and how we're uniting the community as, as well as, uh, um, you know, taking care of our customers and, and being really uh, diligent about customer service and responding to emails quickly and, and making sure that our customers had a really good experience when they ordered from us. So how many partners are in, in the business? There are three of us total. It's me, uh, Jeremy McGee, and Lindsay Reinders are the, the three uh, co-founders. Okay. Uh, and this is kind of a side note, but it's related. Do you have any stats on the percentage of men that have beards? And is it a growing or a slowing trend today? From research that I've seen, and I'm sure it, it, it changes, and a beard is, is a, different for a lot of guys, um, but I see about 30% of men uh, have some sort of facial hair, which is about probably about 30 million guys in America. Um, I do think this is a, a, a growing trend up to this point, and then we'll see how it is going forward. Uh, but how we look at it and, and the opportunity for us is, you know, we view ourselves as a global company, and beards have been ingrained in, in a lot of cultures uh, historically, over uh, tens of thousands of years or, or, or thousands of years, uh, we look at the Middle East, we look at northern India, um, we look at, you know, just the, a variety of cultures in the world who embrace facial hair as, as part of who they are and, and opportunities within that to, to grow our business. So uh, while there may be trends uh, for, for certain guys to, to grow their facial hair out or, or not grow their facial hair out, we do think it's something that globally is is sustainable and, and and not really that niche. Yeah, and and when you think of globally, uh, you don't need uh, trends don't really matter for your long run because 
you know, even even if in the, within the United States, I mean, there is, uh, as you mentioned, you know, 30 million people is a is a big market. It's a huge market. So, so, but but it's it, it makes sense that you're 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 tur- you're you're making your your brand a global brand, and hopefully we get to talk about that as well. But I I do have some questions about the uh, the the biggest challenges early on. You already mentioned uh, the time when you had uh, March 2013. You had two orders only in the in the fir, you know for, for a 14-day period what were some of the other initial um, major challenges i mean you know and, and you can still talk about them because that business is only a couple of years old yeah less than that um, so what are some of the biggest challenges you're faced with today i think uh especially really early on was finding vendors who were willing to work with us at such a small scale uh and saw the potential of the company and would be willing to grow with us. We would uh, uh, work with some vendors to manufacture our beautiful uh, Woodsman Beards co- uh, boxes uh, for our Beardsman kits. And, uh, you know, we would have people who could make, you know, 10 or 15 of them, but it would take them, you know, way too long for us to produce and, and to fulfill demand. Uh, so being able to find a vendor who could, you know, uh, fit in line for that was very challenging. Um and, then and, and you want you want those vendors to be U.S. based, right? I mean, that, the, these vendors are are all U.S. based. No, we don't have a mission to serve uh, only U.S. based products. Where uh, we do view ourselves as as global. And, and I've traveled the world. I've been to India. I've been to you know Tokyo. I've been to Europe. I've I've been to South America. And and what I found is like people are wonderful uh, all around the world. And uh, I I don't want to be exclusionary with uh, the opportunities that we have for vendors and and as uh, long as they're providing a, a great product and, and service that we we uh, require then I'm going to be open to working with them. So so it's more about quality than location. Yeah, it's definitely and, uh, about quality and and uh, and service for us. And so so what is your process? Do you attend trade shows? Do you search online? Do you net? How do you how do you even start? Because it, it is hard to find. Uh, like you mentioned, it's hard to find. Uh, you know, people that can that want to work with you. That can provide the product that you're looking for. They can provide enough of the products you're looking for. What what is your process to to try to identify the right businesses? Yeah, it's been really challenging early on in the, the early months. You know, the the thing with trade shows is, you know, those only happen once a year or twice a year, and uh, as you're growing and as you want to add products, you, you can't wait for those. So uh, we found a lot of our vendors online uh, to get started. Um, but as we've gotten to trade shows, we've been able to build relationships with with people and find new opportunities for vendors. And, um, you know, it is a challenge because we're a very philosophical company and, you know, we're not doing this to make money. We're not doing this to sell product. We're doing this to, to change the way society views. And, and we're trying to build a company who uh, stands by principles uh, rather than stands by simply profits. So, Finding other vendors who can understand the, our principles and understand how we we operate uh, is very challenging. It's a very hard task and very frustrating as well. Uh, but we've got some really fantastic partners right now uh, who have allowed us to grow and and who are really excited to uh, be working with. So how do you determine 
what products to sell on your site. Because when you look at uh, beardbrand.com, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you do see quite a few products, but you don't see hundreds or thousands of products. Which, and I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing. I just, I'm just making a statement. So, and and you already mentioned that you're very careful about the, you know, what you sell. And, and also the reasons for selling it. So what is your process internally to determine what's the right product for you? Uh, we, we're a beard grooming company from the start. So we focus on items that are going to be advantageous for grooming a beard. Um, what we, what's been the most successful strategy for us is to kind of test the market with some items from a different manufacturer uh, under their label, like uh, you'll see, we've got some soap on our store. We've got some uh, styling texture. Uh, those are made by different companies. And based on the sales of those items, uh, we'll look at developing them under our own label. Because we are a manufacturer. We make our own beard oils. We make our own mustache wax. Uh, we try to private label like our, our leather products. Um we don't want to simply be a, a reseller of items, but we want to be a manufacturer of items as well. So uh, we, we kind of test the market a little bit uh, by carrying other people's products and then uh, develop our own, uh, which will help mitigate the risk of, of ordering you know, thousands of things that, that don't move like, like we thought they would. Yeah, it's a lot safer that way, right? L less risky. Yeah, and, and the time that you know I, I was real confident and, and we just bought a whole bunch of stuff was – the time I got it wrong, of course, and and uh, this stuff is moving, but it's it's you, you know you don't want to have a year's worth of inventory. You want to have um like three months of inventory or a month of inventory, you know, depending on how quickly the the products can be manufactured. Because um, I'd much rather that that money be spent on on marketing or you know new initiatives or, or inventory for other products than than I would for you know, years worth of, of something. Before you introduce a new product, do you, do you um, like survey your, your email list, for example, or, or how do you even try to, you know, not guess what people want, but what, what, but really find out what people want? You know, we're, I'm really immersed in the community. I'm really engaged uh, with our audience. Uh, you know, I'm talking directly to them all the time on, on YouTube, on our channel there. And, uh, interacting them with them as they email us and, and, you know, our customers let it be known what kind of things that they want. So, uh, we definitely listen to them. And then, uh, I, I've done one survey so far. Um, but that's not a big strategy for us for, for de developing it. I think it's, it's, it's not that much of a risk to, uh, to, to buy a styling product. Like we bought, you know, only 20, 20, um, cans of, of this texture paste. Um, and that's, you know, a couple hundred bucks. So it's not going to uh, make or break us. Uh, and, and I like testing with the market rather than asking what people will do because actions speak louder than words. So if I put it up in a store and we see it moves very well, then it's obvious that it's going to move. But uh, if I ask them that they're going to buy it and they all say, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy it, I'm going to buy it, I'm going to buy it. And then I buy thousands of it and I put it up there and they're like, well, no, I'm not really going to buy it. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're like, well, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's 
There's nothing like actual actual sales. Let's talk about marketing and what is what is working for you. I, I want to get into YouTube, uh, you know, soon. But but uh, you know, aside from from YouTube, what are, what are the most effective marketing channels or or, or tactics uh, or strategies that work for you today? Well, uh, going back to that survey, we asked them, we asked our customers how they first heard about us. And 46% of them first heard through us uh, through social media channels. So that's going to be YouTube, Facebook, Reddit, uh, and then Tumblr, Instagram, uh, those other channels, uh, followed by Google search. So uh, our engagement with our community uh, through the various social media platforms is, is vital to the success of our business um, and, and vital to the success of, of our growth. And then from there, we do uh, more, quote unquote, traditional type of marketing. We do PPC. Uh, we work with a PR firm to uh, to work with bloggers and media outlets. We do uh, email marketing. We do uh, uh, remarketing, retargeting. That's a really good platform for us as well. So uh, we engage in a lot of of that. And then from our wholesale perspective, we do go to trade shows and, and interact with uh, uh, other retailers there to, to try to, to build that business. Can you talk about how you are building a global brand? Um, where, where are your products sold outside of the U.S.? And how is, the, is that through resellers or is it through uh, websites? Yeah, we've launched uh, beardbrand.co.uk to represent our European market. We've got a, a fulfillment center with, with our products physically on hand in Belfast, Ireland, uh, and it's all shipped out of there, and, and it'll go to, uh, to the various European Union countries. Uh, beyond that, we will also fulfill our uh, international retailers from there, or at least our European ones, and that includes uh, retailers in, in Germany and Norway and, and the UK and France and uh, all around and, and uh, Australia as well. We've, we've got a pretty good uh, retailer list in Australia who, who moves a good number of our products. So what percentage of, if, of your business comes from outside of the U.S.? I haven't run the numbers recently, but uh, traditionally it's been about uh, 85% is within the United States and then uh, 15% is uh, global, so Canada, the Europe, Australia, uh, and then a little bit uh, in other countries. So there's a lot of potential for, for growth there internationally. Yeah, I see. I, the reason we, we launched in Europe is I see that market potentially being as big as the U.S. market, if not bigger. Um, we're more about like uh, style and... and um, fashion and and some of our competitors are more about like being a man's man and you know kind of the lumberjack and the you know you're not a man unless you have a beard and that's not us you know it's uh, we're about being stylish and fashionable and career driven and and the beard is part of that as well and and groom and take care of your beard and i think that you know my take as a as an american looking into europe is that kind of mindset is more common in europe than it is in the states um, so I feel like we've got a great opportunity in, in Europe and, and, uh, it's been a little slow starting. I think, uh, I underestimated 
the variety of cultures and, and how important it is to be local there. Um, so we're going to have to kind of really get someone to, to focus on that market and, and, and make it more personalized to, to the various countries there. To the point where you need, you think you need to have a website in Dutch and another website, uh, you know, in French and so on and so forth. Yeah, I would definitely like to translate our European website to the various languages within Europe. Um, ideally, I would also like to launch. Uh, so we've got our UK based one. I'd like to launch a, a European based one. Uh, which uh, operates in the euro versus the pound. Um, but I'm not there yet. And, and I think that's probably a longer, longer timeline. Maybe that's a five year plan or a 10 year plan. Yeah, that's, that's really exciting. There's a lot of, lot of opportunities there. So let's talk about YouTube a little bit. You have a popular YouTube channel with uh, over 21,000 subscribers. That's as of today. More than 1.7 million views, which is also great. Uh, one of your videos has more than 327,000 views, and you have several others with over 100,000 views. How did you start with YouTube? You know, I just... Uh you know, it's the narcissist in me. I've always wanted to be a celebrity and just started putting some videos up <laughs> and talking about like, uh, you know, the things that I've learned. Uh, there wasn't, uh, when I started, there wasn't any strategy. It wasn't like, uh, I, you know, search for terms that people were searching for, uh, simply just kind of talking about, um, my passions and, and my experiences and, and I'm like an encouraging guy. Like I, I, I think positively and, and I think uh, people have related to that. So I think um, I've inspired yeah. some guys to grow their facial hair and, and I've inspired them to, to deal with uh, the negative aspects and, and gave them tools and tips on, on how to handle that. Um, so I think it's it's been a, a fun journey and, and I'm sure I could have grown it quicker or more efficiently or, or, uh, you know, like really optimize the heck out of it. But, you know, part of who we are and what we're about is, is I want to say it's laziness, but it's like, you know, we're not here to constantly be selling you. We're pretty confident with what you got. And if you want to to buy from us, we're happy to sell to you. But, you know, we're not really going to um, bend over backwards to, to push the hard sell to get you on board. Yeah, like, for example, I think you don't show ads on, on your YouTube channel, right? Well, uh, yeah, we've been doing that as well. You know, I we started off not doing that and then uh, talked with a, a guy who, who kind of says, well, you know, people expect to see ads from, like, it, it almost raises your... your uh, credibility. Credibility, or, exactly, or, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, by having ads on it. So it's not a way for us to generate revenue, uh, but it's just a way to show that... You know, we are credible and, and we're we are um, committed to the channel. We're actively uh, posting on it. We're not uh, a dead channel. Uh, so it is something that they can feel confident subscribing to and, and new content will come out. Uh, I mean, I really like the style of your videos because they're they're not overly slick um, and they feel like, you know, one guy talking to another. Um and I, you know, I don't know if that's on purpose or that's just, you know, that's just the way it is. But I, I, I like the style of the videos that you make. 
are there any challenges around uh, the YouTube videos that you found? Yeah, it's it's hard. You know, I'm the only guy who's been videotaping it, uh, cutting it, editing it. Uh, video editing is not like my number one talent. It's a very time consuming process. It's it's not like I'm used to being able to write an article. Like I can write a, a 1,200 word article and crank it out uh, in like 20 or 30 minutes, but to do a video is going to be multiple takes. And, um, yeah, I, I'm not a perfectionist, uh, with video. Uh, so a lot of times, uh, some things won't get scrapped of editing. You'll see a lot of my, uh, stumbles over words or, you know, uh, out of focus shots or audio that is frankly sub substandard. So, it just makes it real, though, right? In a, in well, I guess it does. Too. It does make it real. I would like to make it better, but uh, uh, I, I don't know. It's 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 always the I can do it myself, and it's just my time, and I'm doing it, you know, just for my time. But if I bring in someone else, I got to start paying them to do that, and and uh, that's a lot more expensive. So it's the uh, the cheap guy in me who doesn't want to pay for help. Um, I don't know. So again, it goes back to not really having like a an awesome strategy for YouTube and, and just being myself and, and, and doing things as I am as an individual. Like there's what you see on YouTube is a hundred percent who I am. There's no show or act or anything. That's, that's who I am. Yeah. I think, I think that's really cool. I have read an article on Shopify from November of 2013 that stated that your revenue was uh 40 K per month. Then in, uh, 2014, uh, there was another article, I believe it was on Shopify as well, where your revenue is 120,000. Where is your revenue today? I mean, we're getting approaching the, uh, the shopping season or the, the holiday uh, shopping season of 2014. Yeah, we just had our best month in, uh, what was our last month, September? Yep. I think we did uh, 140. Uh, so it's been, uh, you know, of course, the holiday seasons, we had a good rush. Uh, and, and then we kind of plateaued around the 100,000 uh, mark. And then it's picked up here and August was our best month. And then September was our best month. And uh, hopefully October here will be our best month as well as we uh, kick up in the gear and, and, and hit our final uh, quarter of the year. Uh, and I think it's it's kind of understanding what the uh, seasonal aspects of our business is going to be. I think there are going to be certain months that are naturally better than others. Uh, I think a lot of guys are going to grow their facial hair out in the winters and, and, uh, we will see a pickup there. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to break a hundred and or, or 1.5 million this year is, is kind of our goal for our first full year. Great. Uh, what percentage of your business revenue comes from recurring uh, revenue? Uh, I think uh, my co-founder just did a report recently, and we have a repeat customer rate of 18.4%. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I think industry average is uh, around 10% or 9%. I'm not in, I, I Don't quote me on that, but I, I, I think that's what I've heard. Uh, in the past, so uh, we're, we're. I mean, eighteen percent. I mean, you're you're not a subscription business. No. So you know, 
to have uh, you know close to twenty percent recurring revenue for a non-subscription business. That's pretty uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, we're we're looking at ways to grow and and improve our business, and and always we're always investing in new technologies and new products and new services. So. You know, always looking to uh, get better and, and improve. And, and I think we've got some things that will, will make our business better uh, toward the end of this year. There's just really a, a ton of things we're working on right now. It's so exciting. It's uh, it's it's what I live for. You know, it's it's been a really fun, fun ride and, and a great journey. I just have a couple of more questions. Um, do you have time for just a couple of more questions? Yeah, man. And we could talk all afternoon if you want. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, even before I go into my next question, I just want to ask you, like, how different is, is it this time around? I mean, in the beginning of this interview, we talked about how many different things you tried and failed. And I don't even like the word failure because it's just it just has a bad, bad vibe, you know. But, you know, just trying, trying things for, you know, years and years. And then, you 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 know, you, you start, you know, Beard Brand, and it's such a different story i mean do you do you feel that every day that this is just different than the other things that you tried yeah you know i'm a big fan of failure i i think it's you know maybe the the word has negative connotations with a lot of people but i think if you're not failing you're not pushing yourself you know you're not getting out of your comfort zone you're not uh doing the things you need to do to be successful and there's a lot of times where you know, we feel comfort at Beard Brand, but we've got to push the limits. We've got to, you know, release new products that we don't carry. We've got to test the waters. We've got to do things, and they may fail. Um, you know, so it's, it's like our, our UK launch, you know, that could be a failure. Um, but we don't know unless we do it, and, and we think it's going to be successful, and that's why we do it. Um, but even as an individual, you've got to push yourself out of your comfort zone and, and continuously be failing because that means you're – you're growing as an individual. And every time you fail, if you learn from it, if you take a lesson out of it, then ultimately it's, it's not a total failure. It's not a total wash. It's, it's a way to improve who you are. Um, the thing that's different for me with beard brand is uh, it is all my passions and life wrapped up into one business. It's uh, you know, it's, I'm a stylish guy. I like talking about fashion and style. It's about that. Uh, I'm a graphic artist. I like creating designs. You know, it allows me to do that. I get a, you know, photograph our products. I get a designer packaging. Um, I'm a little bit uh, of a, you know, uh, outgoing guy. And it allows me to have my YouTube channel and, and to pre present myself uh, in, in front of a large crowd. And, you know, it allows me to share my story and to help other individuals and to change society. Like all these things, like being bigger than, you know, simply a guy who who creates cool designs for people, you know, in a, a graphic design process. Like I'm, I'm not able to change the world or change society. But what we view, what we're doing at Beard Brand, we are able to change the way society views beardsmen. So we're able to shift the way where people think of a bearded guy as being a lumberjack or a biker to someone who's, you know, involved in their community, who's charitable, who's professional, who's career driven, and they also have a beard. So it's a really exciting time for us. And, and it's something that in all facets of the business, I'm like totally into. So there's nothing within what I'm doing at Beard Brand that I'm like, oh, I hate that. Um, 
or maybe if there is, I've, I've, I've hired someone to do that, you know? Uh, so it's been, yeah. it's been, uh, yeah, I mean, awesome. It sounds to me like it's, it's everybody, you know, every entrepreneur's, you know, dream to have all these things come together. Like, like you mentioned, I have read, um, a beard brands guide to building a brand on Reddit. And I think it's a great post. You talk about startups focusing on selling instead of building a brand. At what point did you realize that you needed to focus more on your brand than on selling? Um, it's just always been like I, I've talked a lot about it in, in this conversa- conversation about being philosophically aligned with my business partners. And I think a lot of that is just uh, a root confidence in, in what we believe um, and not needing to kind of go out of that comfort zone or, or bend who we are, uh, which has been a wonderful experience. And, and I don't know if, if all businesses are in the position to do that. And, and there is some risk to that as well. Um, cause it does take confidence in knowing that who you are as an organization and who you are as an individual is going to be accepted in the marketplace. And it's not always going to be accepted in the marketplace. Um, so we believe in what we're doing. We believe in our processes and, and what we're creating and, and the message that we're spreading. Um, and I think the sales are indications that others believe uh, in the passion that we're trying to build and, and, and what we're doing as an organization. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. It, it's something that you're not going to be able to do unless you're, partnering up with other people who are confident in what you're building. Uh, so that's why I think it's so important to have business partners who you can trust and who you are philosophically aligned with, who at the deep root of who you are, uh, believe in what you believe. And that's a very powerful thing to, to grow a business when you don't have to bicker over things internally and you can just move toward the goal of, of growing your business and, and spreading your mission. What is, um, you know, uh, what, there's one more thing uh, that really stood out for me in, in this, um, in your guide on, on Reddit, and that is inconsistency. You wrote that inconsistency is the death to brands. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's. And also as it relates to your business. So it's, with branding, branding is more than just, oh, excuse me. Branding is more than just like your logo and your design. It's your whole company. It's who you are. It's what is the brand worth? You know, what is the name worth? When someone thinks of Nike or when someone thinks of uh, McDonald's, what do they think? It's it's the whole experience. It's not just some logo. It's uh, the interactions they have. It's how the products react. Um, so when we build a brand, uh, we want the entire experience to be um, consistent and we want to provide the best products on the market. And that means we want to provide the best experiences. We want to provide the best customer experience. We want to have the best looking products. We want to have everything, uh, well experienced. We don't want to annoy our customers. We're confident in our products. We're confident that they'll love it. Uh, if they don't love it, we'll buy it back from them. Um, so it's, it's, you can't, say, you know, we're the best company and we have the best products. And then, you know, 
not back it up and be like, well, you didn't like it. You know, you're over your 30 day return period or you're over your 12 day return period or whatever, you know, arbitrary policy you've set up um, or you don't trust your customers when they say that uh, USPS delivered it and they didn't receive it. You know, there's like small details like that, that, you know, we bend over backwards for our customers and, and that's in all facets of our business. That's not just, you know, our logo and our branding. It's in how we operate, how we run, uh, how we uh, strive to to build an ingredient list uh, within our, our products and, and make sure that we are doing the best for our customer. And, and, you know, our mission isn't to be the Walmarts, Walmart, excuse me, Walmarts of the world or the Amazons of the world. Our mission is to provide the best. Um, and I think uh, we're, we're doing that. And, and if you don't do that, then people will start to distrust the other aspects. So it's, it's saying, you know, it, it becomes a verbal talk and, uh, you know, actions speak louder than words. So if you're saying one thing and doing another thing, then uh, you're not going to be able to build that, that brand and, and uh, that commitment from your customers. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I totally agree. It's 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 one of those things that everybody says, but very few actually do. You know, it's like when you call one of these big companies, and you know the auto attendant tells that your car call is very important to us, and then you're on hold for 15 minutes. Right, you know, exactly. That's kind of a a, a thing. Uh, let's talk about maybe if you could change. I mean, your business is very new, but you guys are you guys are doing awesome. You're growing, and you know you're doing the right things. But if you could change one thing. Uh, going back, what what would what would that thing that you would do differently that could be a good learning experience for our audience? Um, I mean, my my biggest uh, probably the biggest challenges I've I've had in the past was was trying to change vendors or partners to fit our philosophies and and kind of hoping that they would fall in line with that. Um, generally speaking, the first uh, reactions or, or how they handle things from the get-go is going to be how they handle things throughout the whole process. Um, so you can't change vendors. Um, I mean, you can change vendors by picking different vendors, but you can't change the way they run their business. So it's going to be important to cut those ties early on and, and work with people who, who you can find. And even though that's a giant pain in the butt to make those switches, uh, it's going to be necessary to 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 grow your business and, and eliminate those headaches and, and challenges early on. It's like personal relationships, right? You can't really change the other person. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, you can't change your wife. You can't change your kids. Like you, you've just got to be yourself and and either respect who they are and 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 you know learn to to work with them uh, if it's important. Um, or if it if if it's a significant enough differences, then then part ways and, and go go a different route. If if somebody out there listening now, either thinking about starting a business or struggling with a business, and if they turn turn to you, what would be what do you think would be the most important thing you would want them to know? that will help them to succeed in business? They've got to surround themselves with, with positive people who are doing things um, and stop hanging around people who are doubters and haters and who haven't done things. 
so go to startup weekends, go to other entrepreneur events and put yourself around people who are doers. And once you start doing that, you'll start seeing success with your business. How can people find out more about uh, Beardbrand? Or if they want to get in touch with you, if they have questions about beards or, or anything that we have talked about. Yeah, just shoot me a, a message on uh, Twitter. I'm at, at Banholtz. Uh, you can Google my name, Eric Banholtz. I'm the only Eric Banholtz out there. And uh, <laughs> there's a, a lot of ways to contact me. Um, and then uh, Beardbrand, uh, if you just Google Beardbrand, then then you'll find us as well. So. Uh, we'd love for you guys to check us out and, and learn about what we're doing. And if you have a beard, buy some stuff. Uh, or if you have a bearded friend in your life, then uh, then uh, buy something for them. Uh, well, Eric, I really appreciate you coming on Success Harbor today. And everybody out there, go and check out beardbrand.com. And, and I also want to thank you for being so transparent. It's, it's, I, I really appreciate uh, everything that you uh, shared about your business. And I hope that maybe in the future, maybe a year from now, you can come back and tell us how Beardbrand is continuing to grow. Absolutely, George. It's been a, a pleasure chatting with you. And uh, I look forward to, to talking about how to grow a business from $1 million to $10 million. Awesome. Well, good luck to you going forward, Eric, and thank you, everybody, for listening. All right. Cheers.